0: welcome to this podcast, just one of a series on the early 19th century German writer Heinrich von Kleist. My name is Sean Allen, and I'm from the University of Warwick. And in this episode, I'll be talking to Professor Ricardo Schmidt from the University of Exeter about Kleist's relationship with three women in particular, his half-sister Ulrike von Kleist, his fiancée Wilhelmina von Senger, and his cousin Marie von Kleist. I wanted to start off by talking about Kleist's half-sister, Ulrika, Ulrika from Kleist. Uh, Ulrika was born in 1774, and she was just a little older than her half-brother Heinrich. She was three years older than him, but of course she outlived him by nearly 40 years. In the later part of her life, she became a teacher, and of course she remained unmarried. But it's very striking, I think, that Kleist had a particularly close relationship with her. He called her, in fact, the only one who truly understands me, in a letter of May 1799. I was wondering, Ricardo, whether you could tell us a little bit about what kind of a woman she was.
1: She was a a very energetic woman, very enterprising woman. Um, She... Uh, would travel with Kleist repeatedly she was the one who went with him to Paris uh, in men's clothing, very enterprising at that uh, time Um, it was done primarily for financial reasons because that meant they didn't need to have a maid servant for her they could just travel uh, by themselves so that was cheaper Kleist wasn't altogether so, so keen for her to travel with him but she did anyway She uh, also travelled by herself to Bern when uh, Kleist was in Switzerland and uh, she got news that he was ill. By the time she got there, he was well again, and she'd done that uh, huge big journey, all in vain. But nevertheless, she was then the one who acted decisively when uh, uh, Kleist's friend, Wieland, got into difficulty and um, was uh, expelled from Switzerland. So within two hours, she organised the whole departure, and they took uh, Wieland out of Switzerland. So very, very uh, decisive, uh, energetic. And Kleist uh, sometimes seemed to find that a bit much. Um, And uh, he reproached her for not being feminine enough. Uh, He wrote uh, this poem, I think it was for her birthday saying that um, she uh, was between genders and she should choose one. Uh, And, you know, he uh, didn't like her um, not uh, following gender norms at the time.
0: That's right. He wrote, I think, a letter to Adolfina von Verdeck, his friend, on 28th of July, 1800. He said, What a blunder on nature's part to have constructed a being, neither male nor female, but wavering between the two, like an amphibian. And I was wondering... You talked about gender norms. Kleist clearly, or at least seems to hint at the idea that he doesn't really approve of this breaking of gender norms. Do you see Ulrika as a woman who was at odds with the gender norms of her time? This travelling in men's clothing, this going on her own to ban, they seem, seem to me to point to a, a rather different kind of woman than perhaps Kleist's fiancée, Wilhelmina von Sengel who we'll come on to in a moment...
1: Yeah, we don't know because her uh, letters—very few of her letters have been kept. To what extent, you know, this was a conscious um, decision to go against uh, gender norms of the time? But uh, she certainly had a very rational mind. Um, Kleist once reproached her uh, for thinking and dancing correctly. To the metronome so he uh, thought women ought to live for men alone and Ureka never marrying Um, that was another thing Kleist reproached her very much for we don't know what Ulrika replied to all these reproaches that nature had intended her to be a mother and she shouldn't refuse that Um, Klaes himself, of course, uh, has also been regarded as uh, not fulfilling gender norms. Well, he didn't fulfill gender norms uh, in the sense that he didn't bring uh, honor and recognition to his family, which he craved by his work. And time and again, uh, he needed Ulrike to help him financially. He wasn't in possession of his fortune uh, until he came of age, which at the time was rather late, at 24 years old. So until then, uh, Ulrika time and again helped him out financially. I don't know why she had so much more money, uh, but she did, and and did help him. They also set up a house uh, repeatedly uh, well, you know, in Paris, uh, and then in Königsberg again. And Ulrika was also the one uh, who campaigned to get him uh, out uh, of France when he was arrested as a suspected spy, and was taken uh, to a rather forbidding fortress, and she went uh, to Berlin to the French commander and really demanded uh, he be set free, So, uh, and she achieved it. So somebody who was very decisive, very active, time and again helping him. Nevertheless, uh, Kleist, uh, shortly before his death, wrote to Marie von Kleist, reproaching Ulrike for not having... Uh, known the art of loving and completely sacrificing herself uh, for the loved one and he did retract that in his final letter to Ulrika, that was uh, um, a letter of reconciliation in which he specifically said he retracted uh, that particular remark because he knew he would, she would hear of it, and that she'd done everything for him, uh, that human being.
0: You've characterised her very nicely, I think, as a very enterprising woman, but quite extraordinary in certain ways. and. Sometimes I feel it's, there's a huge contrast between her and the woman who was, for, for a period, Kleist's fiance, Wilhelmina von Senger, a woman three years younger than Kleist, and a woman who came from a military family herself in Frankfurt her order. Of course, we know that Wilhelmina never married Kleist, and I always think in the correspondence... About her, there's a kind of sense of reticence that comes across. I've, one of the letters that he writes, he describes her, he says, Wilhelmina, even has a sense for the finer things, something of a discernment for the nicer points. I'm grateful if she listens to me at times with interest, before adding, even if she has not much to say in return. One of the puzzles for me is the sort of energet- energy that Ulrike von Kleist radiates in this rather demure figure of Wilhelmina von Zenger, or are we doing her an injustice?
1: I think she was, demure, but uh, that was uh, how Kleist thought women ought to be. And um, one of the uh, strains in the relationship with his sister was uh, that Ulrika didn't conform to that uh, norm. Plus, also, there's a difference in the relationship between brother and uh, elder sister and um, a man and his fiancé. And Kleist uh, very much fell into uh, the mode of the time about the relationship between a young man and his fiancée or beloved. Just as Goethe said, there's nothing better uh, for a relationship uh, if a young man wants to teach and uh, a young girl uh, wants to be taught. That kind of thing uh, happened with Kleist as well. Um, One of the first things he uh, did was, um, that was before he actually got engaged to her, to uh, organise some private teaching uh, for the women in the house of the the Tsengers and and, uh, his own sister.
0: She was in fact his pupil, wasn't she?
1: Uh, Sort of, because uh, he'd only just started at university and immediately wanted to pass it on. So he uh, became sort of sub-teacher, and what he'd learned, he passed on to the girls and even arranged uh, some classes for the girls, because in those days, girls, of course, could not go to university uh, with one of the university teachers. And that way, he got to know her a bit after his brother, Leopold, who was much more lively, and Kleist was always, um, you know, uh, rather taciturn, not uh, the lady's entertainer, but they got to know each other. then And so uh, he posed to her in writing, uh, typically, not orally in writing. She refused at first, but you know he uh, persevered, and eventually she gave in. They became sort of inofficially engaged, on condition, That he would take an office which could uh, keep his wife, uh, future wife, uh, to the standard of life she'd become accustomed to. Which, of course, he never did. So him wanting to teach her, making her into an ideal wife, the mother of his children, uh, was the big project he engaged in. And uh, Later, Wilhelmine said to um, her uh, husband, uh, Wilhelm Traugott Krug, uh, that he wanted to turn her into an ideal, and so she was rather sad at that because uh, she, she tried her best, but she felt she couldn't quite live up to Christ's expectation of the ideal wife.
0: I think he even went as far once as to describe her, his project, as being like shaping the reed for the mouthpiece of his clarinet.
1: Um... Yes, the, the shaping uh, comes up in his letters uh, very, very strongly. Mm. Um, and that he wouldn't want somebody who was already perfect. He wants to uh, shape somebody to his needs, just as uh, he did the mouthpiece of a clarinet rather than having it ready made.
0: There is, of course, a third woman in Kleist's life, Marie von Kleist, a woman who was 16 years older than Kleist, and who had married into the Kleist family. I think you first got to know her in 1795 when he was a young soldier in Potsdam, but... It's really in the later part of his life that she starts to assume, I think, a more prominent role. And she strikes me as a very interesting figure, although we don't know a lot about her, but she's certainly someone to whom Kleist, I think, writes some of his most candid thoughts about literature and art and the role of women and in the reception of art and so on. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about this figure, Marie.
1: Uh, He trusted her a great deal. Uh, He sent her the drafts of his plays, in particular of Penthesilea, and um, he said uh, that he could imagine that under different circumstances she could have done something like it, um, which is quite remarkable. And uh, she very much appreciated uh, what he was trying to do. It's obviously pretty scandalous uh, to have uh, a woman uh, commit cannibalism Mm -hmm. uh, on her beloved. So uh, while, on the other hand, Christ was saying that uh, it's due to women that uh, our state has gone all downhill, because obviously they only wanted things like Ifland and Kotzebue, nice, sweet, sugary models of uh, noble behaviour. And uh, Kleist wasn't going in for that. And he, he uh, on the one hand, uh, claimed it was women who were responsible for the decline of our state. But on the other hand, he sent it to uh, Marie von Kleist and felt that she understood him and that he uh, had enough confidence in her to send her drafts in which she'd crossed things out, which weren't yet perfectly f- formed and trusted her to intuitively understand what he was getting at, and, and she did.
0: But um, I think it's interesting, isn't it, that he does appeal to her to, as someone who rejects the conventional female way of viewing drama...
1: Well, he he obviously seemed to think her um, as not an ordinary woman, uh, but somebody really very special. And she was special in that it's assumed that uh, a pension that he allegedly got from Königin Louisa was actually sent by Marie von Kleist from her private purse. So uh, once uh, he didn't know. But once again, uh, he got financial support uh, from a woman rather than being the one who protected the woman and uh, offered financial and other support to her. Marie von Kleist was actually getting divorced, but uh, they used the term love between them. But nevertheless, we don't know quite what to make of it uh, with this uh, at the time quite considerable age difference between them. At the time of uh, his death, she was 50, 34, um, and 50 in those days was old age.
0: Well, we've talked about three of the main women in Kleist's life, but I suppose no account of Kleist would be complete without mention of a fourth, Henrietta Fogel, the woman with whom Kleist committed suicide on the 21st of November, 1811. Ricardo, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about why this suicide was so scandalous, and a little bit about Henrietta Fogel herself.
1: Suicide, of course, was a sin in the 19th century. So um, that was the first uh, thing. But on top of all that, um, he uh, had engaged in a suicide pact uh, with a married woman, Henrietta Fogel. Henrietta Fogel was the wife of... Friedrich Ludwig Vogel a civil servant who was working in a kind of bank and they specialized in, uh, in giving loans uh, to people working in the agricultural sphere. Now Kleist had known her for some time because she was the godmother of his friend Adam Müller's daughter, the one for whom Kleist had written the Heilige Cecilia as um, a baptismal mm-hmm. gift. They uh, had uh, agreed to commit suicide together because Henrietta Fogel was suffering from incurable cancer and um, they had agreed for him to shoot her and he actually shot her in the heart and he uh, shot himself in the head. They went out uh, to this lake uh, near Berlin, the Wannsee. Um, went into a little inn and um, proceeded to write letters, farewell letters, um, to their various friends and relatives. They were surprisingly ecstatic farewell letters. Um, Kleist was saying, oh, um, how happy he was, uh, what a fantastic, a joyous death uh, this was to be. He wrote to his um, friend and, and uh, distant cousin Marie von Kleis that uh, he was sorry uh, he was unfaithful to her. They had a very close relationship um, on which there's uh, quite some speculation. She was, however, 16 years his senior and his cousin, so what it was exactly, we don't know. But he wrote to her saying uh, he wouldn't have left her for a woman who simply wanted to live with him. Uh, But uh, Henrietta Fogel was prepared to die with him. So this ecstatic death um, that uh, Clive experienced and uh, wrote to his friends and relatives about, um, you know, was the added... thing that made his suicide uh, particularly controversial.
0: Well, I suppose given the extraordinary complexity and often contradictory nature of the relationships that Kleist had with the women he met, it's so tempting to speculate just how this filters through into his own creative writing. But that is, I think, a topic for another day. Thank you very much, Ricotta Schmidt.